Welcome to the Wolf Sports Show. I'm your host, Dave Chapin. For the first episode, I wanted to start by saying that this show is not for sheep. If you're into hot takes or clickbait, you might as well stop listening. This show is not for you. Anyway, Wolf Sports has a pretty good track record, and many people have asked about a podcast, so here we are. And for you fancy football players, which is probably many of you, we also have the Fancy Consigliere podcast that just launched this week. So check that out if you're interested. It's all on wolfsports.com. If you're here to stay for the Wolf Sports Show, our focus will be on following the NFL. We'll see what happens, but we'll explore bringing in some awesome guests on the show. So we might branch out occasionally and hit some other related topics too. The season kicks off tonight, but before that, a few preseason takeaways. Number one, keep an eye on the teams that did not play their starters during the preseason. You had Brady, Mahomes, Allen all playing at least a little bit. The Patriots play their starters. I mean, those teams know what they're doing. You have teams that probably need the work to sit their guys. It doesn't make much sense to me. I know teams will probably talk about the injury risk, but that's a scared mentality in my opinion. Feel free to write in. Let me know if you think I'm wrong. More on that later. The Cam Newton release was a stunner. I thought Newton looked really good during the preseason, and the Patriots appeared to genuinely like having him around. That said, Mac Jones really couldn't have operated Josh McDaniel's offense much better this summer. They were just scoring points like crazy. I think it was maybe three or four drives where they punted when Jones was a uh, quarterback. And with the Patriots added weapons on offense, they can be really good with Jones as the trigger man. Obviously, Jones was going to take over eventually, and that was the thinking for the Patriots and completely parting ways with Newton instead of keeping him around as a potential mentor type because he, he did seem like a good presence for Jones or as like a short yardage guy down by the red zone because he's still can make an impact down there in short yardage and getting the ball in the end zone. And also, as preseason takeaway, number three, watch out for Mitchell Trubisky and Bill's offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, next offseason. Trubisky is the punching bag for the haters online, but the bottom line is that he won games and showed flashes with the, with the Bears. He looked very sharp in preseason action against his former team. At first, the Trubisky pairing felt like an odd one to me when he signed this offseason, but it makes a lot of sense when looking ahead, and that's probably what Trubisky was thinking when he uh, targeted the Bills as a landing spot. So keep an eye on Trubisky and Dayball being a head coach quarterback package for a team this offseason in 2022. Okay, so there was a tweet... I saw a couple weeks ago from one of the big accounts, one of those big accounts on Twitter, it was saying it'll be the NFL versus the NBA on Christmas Day for in terms of ratings, the ratings uh, matchup. I actually laughed at it. That's like saying the Sopranos versus the Teletubbies. The NFL blows away the NBA in ratings, TV ratings. It's not even close. Also, I've got to say there are things the NFL doesn't do well, in my opinion but they deserve credit for playing a full season last year while dealing with COVID, all the COVID stuff. Let's hope the same thing happens this year and there are no schedule changes. Those of you that play fantasy football, no shifting an entire week can mess up a season, and I think the NFL knows that's a big part of the experience for fans and will do everything they can to keep the schedule as is for 18 games, just as they were able to do for the most part. There were some shifting with the buys, but for the most part, last season stayed it did stay 17 weeks instead of having to extend and push the super bowl back nobody wants that there's a lot of planning that goes in the super bowl a ton of planning sticking with the nfl and rules tom brady had some interesting comments recently about the rules slanting so heavily toward offensive players if anyone would know it's the greatest player in history who's been playing for over two decades play 
I think the one thing about football that's changed over the years, which I think is really hard for someone like me who's played a long time to watch, is like there it's not being taught the right way. Like a quarterback should only throw the ball to certain places because your receiver is in danger of getting hit. For example, when I used to play against Ray Lewis, mm -hmm. I wouldn't throw the ball to the <laughs> middle of the field because he would he he'd go after you and he would hit like and we didn't always have the biggest receivers, but he would hit him and knock him out of the game. Mm. And now any, every hard hit is a penalty on the defense. So I feel mm. like they penalize defensive players for offensive mistakes. Mm. So like if a quarterback, I was watching the Chicago Bear game, <laughs> the, quarter, the quarterback like messes up, doesn't see the blitzer, and, or the line screws up. I don't know what happened. But the quarterback or the line on offense, the defensive player comes in and hits him hard, and they throw a flag on the defense. So they've almost moved the protection of your opponent to you, as opposed to where it should be, which is on yourself. Like if you're a quarterback, you got to protect yourself and your players. It shouldn't be the responsibility of your opponent to protect you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a real, it's, it creates really bad habits for players because you feel like I can basically do anything. I could run and not slide. I can throw the, my receiver into any coverage and not have any repercussion for it. The only thing they're gonna do is they're actually gonna blame the defensive player mm -hmm. for making a good solid hit, and now the defensive player is gonna feel like, oh, I can't do that, mm -hmm. even though I feel like it was an offensive mistake. So in the end, I think it's a really disservice oh God, to the sport, because yeah. the sport isn't being played at a high level mm -hmm. like I, I believe that it once was. It actually deteriorates because you're not teaching the players the reasons and the fundamentals of what the sport should be. Right, and I feel like Levante just had we did see some strong defense in college football over the weekend, and hopefully things aren't so far gone that they can't swing back the other way in favor of NFL defenses at some point. I also very strongly agree with Brady on the rule number change. If you haven't heard about it, basically non-offensive linemen can wear single-digit numbers. So non-quarterbacks, non-receivers, non-kickers will be wearing numbers in the teens, and receivers can wear single-digit numbers now. Linebackers and defensive backs can wear single digits. I don't think it's a good look for the pro game. It messes with a guy like Brady that's hasn't seen a linebacker, defensive back, wearing a single-digit number in his pro career. It's just going to look strange to him on the field, uh, making adjustments at the line of scrimmage and even post-snap. It's going to look weird. It's going to look weird on TV for the fans, at the games for the fans. It's going to look kind of amateurish, in my opinion, just my opinion. I know a lot of people, a lot of you, probably think the expansion of single digit, digit jerseys is cool that's fine i personally prefer that to stay in college it looks nice in college it looks good in college but if something about it in the nfl just doesn't look right to me maybe it's because it hasn't been like that but we'll see how it turns out all right let's get to some season predictions and overviews my predictions full predictions article will be up on wolfsports.com We'll skim through each division a little bit. In the AFC East, Bills, Patriots, and Dolphins should all be really good. I think Josh Allen this year, people might, everyone might start looking at him as like on the Mahomes-Brady level and arguably the best quarterback in the league. I already think he's there with them. Personally, I have it right now. Brady one, Allen two, Mahomes three. Allen does a lot of stuff that, nobody else can do as a runner in particular uh, that Mahomes can't even do. And he's, I'd argue, just as talented throwing the ball as Mahomes. The addition of uh, Manuel Sanders should be a nice fit in the Buffalo offense. Defense added some juice 
to the pass rush via the draft. Um, so the Bills, I think the Bills are going to be elite again. They should make a deep playoff run. Uh, the Dolphins are looking to for Tua to take the next step. I think he's ready to do so. Remember, as a rookie, he was coming off the really bad hip injury at Alabama. That was just, what, not even two years ago? And he, he played last year as a rookie. Did okay. Uh, seemed to seemed to not stretch the ball as much, but the Dolphins added weapons, including Jalen Waddle, who will also be great for underneath stuff to catch and run. Should have a good year. We hit on the Patriots with Mac Jones and the release of Newton. Um, the Patriots, I'd say, had a good as good of an offseason as anyone in the league. Maybe aside from the Bucks, the Bucks brought back all their starters um, from the Super Bowl team, so <laughs> it's hard to beat that. But I'd say the Patriots probably had the best offseason aside from from Tampa Bay. He gets a lot of hate, but Nelson Aguilar will be a major difference maker on offense. They signed him to a big money deal. They're expecting big production from him, which is a short-term deal, but still they're paying him a good amount. Really, almost top receiver money, almost pretty much the second tier. Even if it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, Aguilar should be a major difference maker. Uh, his top tier speed will help open things up for everyone else on offense, including the rushing attack led by Damian Harris. And Mac Jones should be able to put the ball on his targets accurately. For the Jets, I'm not expecting them to compete for the division, but this will be a good experience for Zach Wilson in year one. The early returns for, based on the preseason for Wilson are extremely promising. I think he's a great fit for the offense they got in New York. And Jets fans should probably be excited they might have found their quarterback long-term. In the AFC North, we know the Steelers, Ravens, and Browns are all expected to compete for the for playoff spots. But I think the Steelers are flying under the radar. They don't have a losing seasons under Mike Tom. just doesn't happen. He's a great coach. And first-round rookie Najee Harris can completely transform the offense and bring more balance uh, with a stronger running game behind a revamped offensive line. Switching off as a coordinator, which should, it seems like the scheme will be more favorable for the rushing attack. I like Pittsburgh to win the North. We'll see if the Ravens look different on offense after adding Sammy Watkins and Rashad Bateman this offseason in an attempt to expand the passing attack. People are going to continue piling on Jackson until he consistently throws the ball well in January. Um, he's won an MVP. He won a playoff game last year, which was kind of the monkey off the back, but people the way it is today social media everyone's so negative all the time um jackson's basically going to need to if not win a super bowl get to the super bowl for him to silence the doubters though he does he does need to improve throwing the ball in january for whatever reason he struggles a bit i think it might be in his, his head a little bit at this point shifting to the browns they will not sneak up on anyone this year but they really boosted the defense with their rookie class and free agent signing Jadavion Clowney. A strong rushing attack and a strong defense should keep help keep them in games every game. And Baker Mayfield is entering year two of Kevin Stefanski's system. I expect the Bengals to be very explosive on offense this season. Joe Burrow and company might be able to win some shootouts and surprise people. Moving to the AFC South, I don't know how you stop a Titans offense with Julio Jones joining A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill has been having a blast these past two years, and that should continue in 2021 with Julio in the mix. The Colts are the biggest threat to challenge in the division, to challenge the Titans, that is. And they have the defense led by Darius Leonard to again have a strong season. But Carson Wentz needs to stay healthy and play much better than he did in Philadelphia. Look for second-year running back Jonathan Taylor to emerge as, a, as an undeniable superstar this year. The Jaguars are on the rise based on the presence of number one overall pick Trevor Lawrence alone. 
but I have to admit I'm concerned about Urban Meyer's transition to the NFL. That's not usually the case just because he's a college coach. I, I think college coaches can do well in the NFL. It's still football. But I don't know. This summer's just been weird for the Jags, including the approach with the quarterback competition that wasn't really a competition. And then they traded away Minshew for basically nothing shortly after they de- finally declared Lawrence a starter. And basically, Lawrence could have used, I guess, all the first-team reps. Trust me, I'm not for like just handing someone the starting job if they don't earn it, but it was clear Lawrence was going to be the starter. For the Texans' new GM, Nick Casario is doing a lengthy rebuild. There's simply a lot of work to do there. In the AFC West, the Chiefs have won the division five years in a row. Everyone knows how good they are. Everyone knows how good Patrick Mahomes is, Andy Reid going to be a Hall of Fame coach. Um, they should make it six in a row if they stay healthy. I'm interested to see if speedster Cole Hardman steps into a larger role this year on offense. Clearly, after choosing Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke, Vic Fangio is going to play to the defense in their own game. He wants somebody he can completely trust to take care of the ball. That's Bridgewater. It was, it was pretty shocking to me that uh, he got the nod over Drew Locke because Locke played well in the preseason. Um, he started the first game. He was the incumbent, but Fangio's going with Bridgewater. We'll see how it goes. He's Again, he's going to rely on the defense to not carry them, but he's going to play to the defense. Although Bridgewater does have a strong and deep group of weapons on offense. So the Broncos, they're an interesting team. Now we got the Raiders. I, I don't like what they did in the offseason. Everyone from Derek Carr to the receivers made it clear that they needed and wanted Nelson Aguilar to return. He made a huge impact for them last year, like I think he can do for New England. He was a great deep threat, made plays down the field, opened things up for everyone else. The Raiders need their defense to improve. Or they're they're just, no matter how good the offense is, they're going to struggle to make the playoffs and get deep into the playoffs unless the defense improves, which they're hoping will happen under uh, Gus Bradley, new defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. For week one, it's pretty interesting. Uh, they play their first game in the Legion Stadium. Um, it looks like Death Star. I would say, well, they played in the stadium last year, but their first game with fans. And it's going to be pretty crazy. I guess they still got the black hole, they're calling it. Ravens, it's going to be a tough spot for the Ravens, I think. And closing out the AFC West and the AFC, the Chargers, they got a ton of upside. The new head coach, Brandon Staley, is a defensive-minded guy. Well, he comes from both sides of the ball, but he was the Rams' defensive coordinator last year. And the defense, Chargers' defense, gets back Derwin James from injury. They could Both sides of the ball can be really good. They got plenty of weapons. Mike Williams sounds like he might have a big year on offense if he stays healthy. Justin Herbert, superstar, going to be a superstar. He was amazing as a rookie last year. Um, so the Chargers... I have them low in my power rankings. They're also on wolfsports.com, but the upside is pretty big. For the NFC, uh, the NFC East, it's, as usual, really wide open. Giants, their defense should be really strong, but the concern with them is the offensive line. In the preseason, it did not look good at all. Um, Hopefully, it's just... They have to mesh. They made some moves recently, try to boost the offensive line. Um, They invested draft capital in it. Andrew Thomas, he struggled a little bit in the preseason, but I was really high on him as a prospect. 
I think he could turn around. It's only his second year. Um, so some patience might be needed. With the Giants, they got Saquon Barkley coming back from injury. Kenny Galladay in first round. Kadarius Tony were banged up all summer. Um, they all hopefully will be good to go this Sunday against the Broncos. But the Giants, I was maybe going to say they would win the division, be the favorite to me, but the offensive line's too concerning. For Washington, they won it last year. Obviously, uh, the division was pretty bad. They won it, I guess they were 7-9, and nine, right? They, I thought they, sh- they should have won after Marcus Mariota at quarterback. Um, he has the upside, but he also is a guy that takes care of the ball. He's won big games. He won a big game in Arrowhead Stadium against the Chiefs in January in the playoffs. He had to be traded for, so who knows? The Raiders might just want to hold on to him. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, obviously, he has a ton of upside, but the downside's a little little lower for him. The We need to see consistency. But I mean, he's a ton of fun to watch, but Super Bowl, with him, he's going to need to catch fire. We've seen guys catch fire in the past. He's going to need to stay consistent at the right time of the season in January if the Washington gets there. For Washington, the front four is just led by Chase Young is just monstrous. It's it's not fun for opposing offenses to go up against them. They might have the best defense in the league. We'll see. Rams are really good. Patriots, Bucks. Um there's some good defenses. Also for Washington, I guess they're gonna decide on the name soon, the new name. It might stay football team. Sounds like it might go in another direction. I guess they're down to eight um, possibilities, they're saying. Some are saying it's down to three. A lot of fans seem to want Red Wolves. They could keep the HTTR with Red Wolves, keep the red in the beginning. Personally, I think Wolves would be better. It's alliterative. Washington Wolves sounds pretty good. There's also Washington Commanders. It's gotten some shine recently. People think that might be the pick. I like that. For the Giants, I said the offensive line is an issue. Assuming they stay healthy, the Eagles' offensive line should not be an issue at all. They have some veterans, but, I mean, they should still play at a high level if they're on the field. And because of that, I think they have a shot to win the division. A pretty good shot when people see them as the pretty distant fourth team. People aren't expecting them to be very good. People aren't really high on Jalen Hurts. I think Hurts has the it factor and could might be the breakout player of the year this year. For the Cowboys, they could probably score with anyone with a healthy Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb. Everyone's talking about him as a huge breakout star, which I could definitely see happening. The D has to step up. Dan Quinn, former Falcons coach, is now the defensive coordinator. First-round pick, uh, Michael Parsons. He looked he looked good on Hard Knocks. I'm sure a lot of you watch Hard Knocks. He brings the energy, for sure. Uh, the Cowboys have a really deep linebacker group, but Parsons is kind of versatile. He can play on the edge. He can uh, play like all, more off-ball, but he might he might elevate that unit if, if they're good paired with that offense. In the NFC North, I don't think there's any question the Packers are the uh, division favorite. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, they say they got their last dance going. They're going to probably be on fire all year. I don't see any other three teams challenging them. I do like what the Vikings did, adding Patrick Peterson, Bashad Breland, veteran corners. That'll do what Mike Zimmer wants. The defense, obviously the Christmas Day, uh, Alvin Kamara, six touchdown thing. <laughs> Mike Zimmer was uh, not happy. 
and the defense almost has to be better. If it's not better, Vikings are going to be in trouble. Um, but I, I think it'll be better. It'll be more stale, I think. And like I said, Peterson and Breland should elevate the cornerback group after Zimmer kind of relied on young guys, maybe more than he wanted to. The Vikings, we know they don't mind targeting uh, corners early in the draft, but we'll see how they do with better and it's in the mix. And also Peterson, Patrick Peterson has a chip on his shoulder after leaving the Cardinals after a decade. The Bears, Andy Dalton, he's in a pretty tough spot. It was kind of weird off season. The Bears are like immediately saying QB1, Dalton is our starting quarterback. Um, this is before they got Justin Fields in the first round. It was just kind of weird, especially they have Nick Foles. Nick Foles needs a good offensive line in front of him, but I didn't say so does Dalton. Um, Foles himself said he's better than he was when he won Super Bowl MVP. Dalton's situation was just weird to me. Now he's in a tough spot. Everyone's calling for Justin Fields, partly because they were, the Bears were so adamant about Dalton being the starter. I think people are like, no, Fields, we want Fields. And finally, I wouldn't laugh at the Lions. People are, <laughs> I guess, people think they're going to be bad. They might be. But uh, Jared Goff's won a lot of games. He's won in New Orleans in the playoffs. He's been to a Super Bowl. I wouldn't count the Lions surprising people. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but their playing style under Dan Campbell should be one that keeps them in games. And Goff, like I said, he's won big games. He's played in big games. He should be good at the end of games, and if the Lions are staying in games, they might win more than people expect. Right now, I guess they're projected as a, one of the worst teams, maybe the worst team in the NFC. For the NFC South, Bucks, they're they're legit, like I said earlier, bringing back all their Super Bowl starters. Antonio Brown looks like he's going to have a throwback type of year. He's gonna have a, He had a full offseason with Bucks now. Also, Brady had a full offseason in year two under Bruce Arians. O.J. Howard is coming back from the Achilles injury. He apparently looked really good. The defense, I don't think the defense was just a, like a streaky thing. They played good at the end of last year. Todd Bowles is maybe the best defensive coordinator in the league. Devin White's a star. The whole, the front four, I'd say, might be better than Washington. Probably is better than Washington. The interior pressure with Vita Vey is pretty Ensu, the Domkinsu is pretty uh, tough to stop when you got Pierre Paul and Shaquille Barrett coming off the edge. They're deep. They're good. The Bucks are the NFC favorite, obviously. It's not even a question, I don't think, although a lot of people um, like the Packers to take the next step. The Bucks, the Bucks beat them twice last year. The Falcons I would have liked as a potential surprise team if they kept Julio Jones. Uh, that was unfortunate. That Jones wasn't going to play, isn't going to play his career with one team now, but he he just wanted to go. First round tight end Kyle Pitts will help fill the void. Um, he's not a typical tight end at all. He he was a monster at Florida. He's going to be a problem for NFL defenses, a big problem. And Calvin Ridley, I think if he's not already there, he's going to be considered an elite player, top tier, top receiver. Um, he. There are some videos during training camp. I know it's camp one-on-one situation. His route running is pretty tough to stop, no matter who's on him. For the Saints, uh, Jameis Winston got LASIK eye surgery, I guess it was before last season. Winston, who knows? I mean, if his, if he wasn't seeing, you could see him squinting on the sidelines, even dating back to Florida State. He's squinting 
to the sidelines, he couldn't see the play calls. Maybe he couldn't see the defenses that well. If he can see better now uh, in Sean Payton's offense, he might put that 30 interception season behind him a little bit. Saints defense has a lot of veterans. They're a proud group. They should be pretty good. They might need some help at cornerback behind Marshawn Lattimore. We'll see with the Saints. They're consistently in the playoff mix and in the in playing in January. And the Panthers, uh, I don't like to typically look at schedules too much in the preseason because it's like you don't really know how teams are going to be, but the Panthers appear to have a promising schedule. I guess they play the – it wouldn't be the last-place schedule. The Falcons were in last last year, but uh, the second-place, second-to-last place schedule. Sam Darnold needs to take care of the ball, obviously, but he has weapons. Terrace Marshall Jr., one of the steals of the draft for sure. He was drafted in the second round, but he's going to have a big role probably immediately. And the defense, they have some young guys. Brian Burns off the edge. Uh, and you know Matt Rule, defensive coordinator Phil Snow, they're going to get their team to play probably as hard as anyone. So the Panther can stand games. It's going to come down to how Sam Darnold plays probably. He needs to take care of the ball. And in the NFC West, again, they're maybe the best division in the league. The Cardinals are a trendy team, I guess, this offseason. I'm not completely sold. The second half, I know Kyler Murray was dealing with the shoulder uh, injury. I just, when the Patriots completely shut them down, that was, I think, the week after Murray was injured, they didn't, it seemed like almost like a game plan was put out. On third downs, they struggled, and that continued the preseason. Kyler Murray, I guess, didn't want to play during the preseason, it sounded like, based off the broadcast, uh, ESPN broadcast. He, he didn't want to really play, I guess, in the preseason. I guess he didn't think he needed it. Um, but the third downs is concerning for me. The Arizona defense should be pretty good. They added Zayvon Collins for linebacker in the first round. But they're athletic, fast. But their quarterback group, Malcolm Butler, uh, is now away from the team. The cornerback group is shaky entering week one. And they have to face Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. <laughs> This Sunday, so that's going to be tough. The Rams are seen as the division favorite and uh, likely Super Bowl contender after adding Matthew Stafford at quarterback. The hype got pretty out of control um, when Stafford was traded to the Rams. Sean McVay clearly is very high on him, so it'll be interesting to see how he fares. He's got plenty of weapons. The run game lost Cam Akers, unfortunately, to an Achilles injury. But they traded two mid to late round picks for Sony Michelle from the Patriots to add to Daryl Henderson Jr. at running back. They traded two, it wasn't like two sevenths, it was like two mid to late round picks for Michelle. That's, they're expecting big things from him. And we'll see how he fares. So we'll see how fast he gets acclimated and if he can make an impact similar to when CJ Anderson joined the Rams late in the in the season uh, a few years ago when Todd Gurley was kind of banged up with the knee. The Seahawks, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll kind of feel similar to the Steelers situation where they're just always in contention. Wilson doesn't have losing seasons. They're going to be pretty good. The cornerback group is, they're another team where the cornerbacks are somewhat concerning, but the front seven should be stout. 
and with high upside. The offense is undergoing somewhat of a transition. They're going to have some concepts similar to like the, what the Rams do with motion and stuff. And I guess they're optimistic. Chris Carson sounds like he's going to be like a focal point, and he needs to stay healthy. But they do have five running backs on the roster. It seems like they're going to want to run the ball, and that might help set up play action for Wilson to Metcalf and Lockett, which is not going to be easy to stop. You can get the run game going, get a safety down. If they're playing too deep, it's a little tougher, although Metcalf and Lockett, I think, have had success against that underneath. But if you get a safety down and you're dealing with no too deep, Metcalf and Lockett can kind of torch you. And for the Niners, I think the Niners are going to be my pick to win the NFC West. They just seem to have really good vibes going during the preseason. They have the two-quarterback situation, and it looks like they're going to do that. It looks like it's going to be a little bit like Hodge, where they're going to start Garoppolo, bring in Trey Lance for some zone read stuff, some design quarterback runs, uh, maybe down by the red zone, some stuff. And it seems like Garoppolo is handling it well. I mean, he's going to be playing. He might not play 100% of the snaps, but he's going to be starter. He's going to be playing. He just was in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. He needs to stay healthy. Uh, he knows that. And they're going to want to run the ball in San Francisco. College a wants to run with Trey Sermon, uh, third-round rookie Trey Sermon, and Raheem Mostert. They're going to want to run. That's going to set up play action to Brandon, Brandon Uick, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. And the defense gets Nick Bosa back, which is going to just elevate the whole entire unit. They're going to be – the Niners, if they stay healthy, should be – they should have high hopes. And again, like a more of a rundown, you can find a lot of info on wolfsports.com, uh, season previews, power rankings, the fancy stuff. Okay, entering the year, I see the Bucks, Bills, and Chiefs as like the big three. Then the Packers are right behind those three. From there, it's pretty wide open, in my opinion. But I think I like New England to maybe round out like a top five group of teams, best teams entering the year. The Pats might make a move with this roster, even with a rookie quarterback, and I never count out Bill Belichick. I had the Bucks win- winning the Super Bowl last year over the Ravens I had. Um, and I like the Bucks to win again. I'm going Bucks over Bills in a Super Bowl that's much closer than last season's Bucks cheese matchup. For MVP, I'll go with Tom Brady having an outstanding season in his second year in Bruce Arians' offense with Tampa Bay. I mean, the Bucks are stacked. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown for a full, full season. Cameron Bray, O.J. Howard coming from, back from the injury. A deep running back group that added Giovanni Bernard as like a passing back. Maybe the deepest receiving core in the league when you consider Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, rookie Jalen Darden behind the starters. The supporting cast is going to be a problem for opposing defenses. And, well, it's Tom Brady throwing them the ball. So he should he has a shot to put up record-breaking number, passing numbers. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, who I think Allen should have won the MVP last year, are the three other big favorites heading into the season. But I think Brady has that record-breaking type of passing season and wins it narrowly over Allen this year. Another prediction I'll make is that Derrick Henry, who ran for 2,000 yards last year, becomes the first player in league history to rush for 2,000 yards twice in a career. He's got another game to do it. I'm not a fan of the 18-game schedule but we'll save that for another show. And he's built to handle another massive workload. I've said recently that the two best predictions to make in sports might be with health cooperating, 
Jacob DeGrom winning the Cy Young, and Derrick Henry leading the NFL in rushing. Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, and others are awesome, but Henry should be the clear favorite for a third straight rushing title. This was more of a preseason show, but quickly let's jump into some week one stuff. I like the Bucks to come out and have an outstanding performance in the season opener. You know, Brady and the guys are going to be fired up before the game and during the game. And I'm actually considering benching Julio Jones for Antonio Brown on my fantasy team because I think Brady might torch the Cowboys. Uh, again, I like Brown to have like a throwback type of season. Bruce Arians said he looks tremendous, like he had did like he did four or five years ago when he was an All Pro with the Steelers, and the temp- chemistry that Brown has with Tom Brady is really great. Overall, there's an entertaining week one schedule all weekend. Steelers, Bills, Chargers, Washington, Seattle, Indy, all among the early games. A lot of points could be scored in the Eagles-Falcons contest. I'm really looking forward to the games finally getting underway so we can see how these teams actually fare on the field. There's been a lot of talk, including on this podcast. Um, But we want to see everyone on the field because we don't really know at all. People might act like they know. We don't know what's going to happen for sure. Uh, Brown Sheaves, of course, headlines later games. Uh, Packers Saints, which is going to be playing Jacksonville, unfortunately, because of the Hurricane Ida um, from New Orleans. Forced New Orleans out, I think, until October 3rd. They're out of the Superdome. Superdome. And finally, for the Monday night, I think I like the Raiders playing that brand-new Death Star-looking stadium in front of the fans for the first time to maybe pull off an upset against the Ravens on Monday night. It's going to be high energy in Vegas for sure. And John Gruden, John Gruden had the extra time to prepare for week one. He's done well in the past. They played the Rams tough, uh, I think it was two years ago, and I think three years ago maybe when Gruden first returned to coaching. They had a good good uh, first Monday night game against the Broncos too. They're used to this Monday night schedule. Derek Carr and company are. I think they might upset the Ravens to end the week. Uh, it should be a fun game. I don't know who stops Darren Waller. We'll see. The Ravens do have a good defense, like I said earlier. Week one should be pretty good. Uh, and I kind of like how there's one Monday night game. I like the doubleheader, but I didn't like staying out till 1, 2 a.m. to watch the game two that started at like 10, 20 at night Eastern time. We'll see how week one goes. And there will be a full game picks article on wolfsports.com. Not by me, but it'll be on wolfsports.com before the season opener tonight. Okay, in future weeks, we'll be answering some mail at the end of the show. So feel free to write in your thoughts, either on the NFL, a particular game, whatever. Or you can send me your thoughts on the show. Email davidchapine at wolfsports.com. Feel free to include your name and your hometown if you'd like. If you, I'd prefer to share your comments that are not completely anonymous. So share your first name at least would be best, but we'll see. Maybe I'll share some anonymous things if you really don't want to have your first name for some reason. Shouldn't be a big deal, but... And with that one, the first episode of the Wolf Sports Show there. I'll be back every week, so be sure to follow, rate, like, and review. Again, feel free to share your comments by emailing me. Thank you, and enjoy week one.